with skyrocketing crime, rapid inflation, and Britney Spears back out on the loose, this has been a pretty stressful year. But luckily, the entertainment industry is still here to provide you with plenty of distractions. And one of those distractions was an impressive show from Amazon Prime called The Terminalist. It stars Chris Pratt like you've never seen him. He's a Navy SEAL on a revenge quest. It's based on a novel series by author Jack Carr, who also used to be a Navy SEAL. Now, critics hated this series. Audiences loved it. I found it a great escape. Now, I always used to find Chris Pratt a little flat as far as main characters in a Marvel movie. Um, he's not the worst Marvel lead out there, but he is easily the worst Chris. Now, he's brilliant at playing a funny supporting character in a show like Parks and Rec, but as a leading man and needing to carry dramatic weight, he's usually one of the weak points of a movie, uh, like Guardians of the Galaxy 2 or The Magnificent Seven or Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. Uh, last year was a movie called The Tomorrow War. It was also on Amazon Prime. It was one of the worst films I saw last year, maybe ever. And a big part of that was Chris Pratt's performance. But we can put that to rest now. He knocks it out of the park in the terminal list, as does Taylor Kitsch and the showrunner David DeGilio. It has some incredible camera work. The actors have such a physicality to their performance, like when they're sneaking around with rifles and handguns. It looks like they've actually been to boot camp. Unlike most actors who just kind of run around with rifles, these actors, they move with a finesse. It looks like they've actually been real combat veterans. So if you're looking for some escape from reality, check out this story about an evil pharmaceutical industry that inoculates people against their will with an experimental vaccine without telling them all the side effects, and then the corrupt government officials who are profiting off of this experiment, and how they use the FBI as their personal police squad to investigate their political opponents, and the dishonest journalists who think that they themselves are the most important characters in the stories they tell. After eight episodes of that escapism, it was nice to get back to real life. So refreshing. This is Luke Taylor. Welcome to a fiery, but mostly peaceful podcast. Welcome to Fake News, a fiery, but mostly peaceful podcast, where we dismantle the media misinformation that floods our news feeds all week long. The media tries to mislead you literally every day. Each episode of this podcast will leave you more equipped to correctly interpret the news and spot their deception quicker than before. And this is normally a show about the news media, but there's another type of media that lies to you every day, and that's the entertainment media. Movies, television, video games, books, all these things are also a part of an apparatus that's designed to change your reality and, and challenge what you know to be true. In fact, the entertainment media, it can be even more dangerous than the news media because they can be more subtle. They try to influence our worldviews through story. And they aren't so subtle anymore. They're being pretty in your face about it nowadays. And at the same time, they're becoming less effective than ever, both in, both in their effectiveness at changing worldviews and also in making good stories. And so that's what I'm here to talk about today. This is Luke Taylor, an austere religious scholar who will be your host. And I'm joined by an equally religious and even more austere history scholar today my friend Jarrett Frill. We're going to talk about how wokeness is ruining Hollywood. And then towards the end, we'll do a review of the new mystery movie, See How They Run. So Jarrett, thanks for being with us on the show again today. Yeah, thanks for having me again. Well, I didn't intend to bring you back on the show again so soon. We just did an episode with you last time. And um, I wanted to just bring you on whenever we were doing historically significant things that happened. Um, I thought you could always give some interesting commentary on that. 
And so I thought, well, next time we have something big happen, I'll, I'll bring Jarrett on the show. We recorded an episode like a week or two ago. And then right after that, Queen Elizabeth passes away. And so, um, I, I, you know, d- just before we get into all the entertainment stuff, uh, do you have any thoughts on the Queen before we get into all the Hollywood things? Yeah, um, I thought she was going to live forever kind of thing. She, she, she seemed to, she was a major figure of the later part of the 20th century. Mm-hmm. And um, it's, she's really the last of her kind. I mean, the last, uh, the last of the monarchs when they actually meant something. Yeah. Yeah, I was just looking at, looking here at the facts of, let's see, she was born in 1926. And it's 2022. So she lived to be almost 100 years old. And just wild. She became queen in 1952. And we'll get into the movie later, but that, so we watched that movie, See How They Run, and that was set in 1953 in London, England. And everything was so different back then than how it is today. And yet, Queen Elizabeth was still Queen Elizabeth back then. <laughs> she, she, she had been queen for a year in 1953. So she lived through a, an, an era of time that saw so much change happen in Europe, didn't she? she she's been queen so long. Back when she was queen, Britain still ruled India. And then mm. while she was still queen, India saw its independence. And while she was still queen, India's GDP actually grew higher than Great Britain's. Wow. Is that right? So kind of a kind of a metaphorical fall of the British Empire right there, I guess. It, it, it feels, you said like metaphorical fall, it feels like the end of an era. I mean, that's really, I don't know why, but it just, when I, it's like Gorbachev died and we talked about that. And he also kind of represented that era. Um, and, and now the Queen Elizabeth has died. Even more so, she represents just that whole span of time. She was a big link to the past. And so the fact that she's gone now, I don't know, something about that, just when, when I heard that, something kind of clicked in my head like, man, we are in a different time than we were 20 or 30 years ago, 50 years ago. The monarch was a symbol of where Britain had come from, their, their heritage, you mm-hmm. might say. Yeah. She was still an important figure, just I think, uh, like as we said, a symbol, a symbol for her country, of her country, and also of a time, uh, the time that she came from. And, um, and that time is over now. So we are at the end of an era. And to kind of transition to, into what I wanted to talk about today, I feel like there's an era of Hollywood that's over. And what I mean is, there's just nothing good on anymore. <laughs> um, you know, I, I've talked to a lot of people, and this is how I feel, that we say, anymore these days, we just rather put on a DVD of some old shows instead of watching anything new that's on. Because it just seems like there's nothing... There's not hardly ever anything any that's good anymore. It's more fun just to watch the older stuff. Yeah, well, the old stuff uh, has almost infinite replayability. <laughs> you, mm-hmm. you just you don't get tired of it. I mean, most of the time. Yeah, and I'm not trying to sound like an old fart here. I mean, I <laughs> I love going to the movies. So going to the movies, that was something that I used to like in the summertime. I was out there just about every weekend. Um, you know, I was, I was always wanting to catch up on new movies and I'd listen to movie podcasts and I love just keeping up with the movie news and all that. And just over the past, I would say since about 2015, maybe 2016, it's, about right. it's, it's stopped being fun. Like my passion for it, my interest in it has just dwindled. I don't think I've, I don't think I've, I don't think I've changed as much as I feel like the movie industry has changed. Um, for one thing, Hollywood is just seems to be in a, in a creative slump. 
everything nowadays is remakes, reboots, adaptions of uh, comic books. And hey, I like a lot of com comic book movies, but everything's an adaption of something else or a reboot of something that was on 30 years ago. I, so I was looking up, I just typed into my computer today, what, what upcoming movies, like upcoming Disney movies. Okay, here's what Disney is working on. A Lion King prequel called Mufasa. They just released a redo of Pinocchio, the live action remake. And they have a live action remake of The Little Mermaid coming, but it has a black Ariel. And then they have a live action remake of Snow White coming with a Hispanic Snow White. And they have a live action remake of Peter Pan coming with a Middle Eastern Peter Pan. Everything's just like remakes of stuff that they did decades ago. Like w Disney used to be innovative and bring you new stuff. And, but I'm not just trying to pick on them. A lot of the movie studios, they're not trying new stuff anymore. Do you, have you, have you kind of noticed that yourself? Yeah, no. Um, yeah, I've noticed that. I mean, it's rough. Yeah. Well, it's this whole philosophy of wokeness or wokeism. Um, and I know people kind of make fun of that phrase. They say, well, what does woke even mean? Well, it's this, it's this thing that it's this hyper, um, hyper focus on racial issues and, uh, sexuality and progressive values that need to be for some reason injected into every story, uh, and not just injected into every story, but they need to like dig into the graveyard and pull out the skeletons of, of shows and movies they did in the past, but they need to be redone with non-white main characters because that's what's apparently so important is that we need... People say that this is new. Disney's always had... A, they've actually always had quite a catalog of non-white characters. I mean, Aladdin, that's one of their classics. That's not white characters. That's Middle Eastern, and it's a Middle Eastern setting, and it, it all makes sense. Um, and they have tons and tons of stories. The Jungle Book... You go back, they have tons of stories with non-white characters. But in modern times, it's like they just want to, I don't know, overwrite the past and, and replace all the white characters of the past with non-white versions. And, and they think that this is making a good story. They replace Snow White? Mm -hmm. The reason why it's called Snow White is because <laughs> her skin, her is, skin white is white as snow, yes. Uh, I mean, it wouldn't be so bad if these movies were actually new material with mm -hmm. new stories. Yeah. But they just they take the stuff that we've grown up on and that everyone knows mm -hmm. and they just they change it. I mean, no one asks for those changes. Like one percent of the population at most asks for that change. Yeah. What happens to the other ninety nine percent that likes the story and the characters as they are? I mean yeah. I don't I don't and, and these live action why do they have why do they feel the need to do these live action remakes? Uh, <laughs> it's the same songs, mm -hmm. it's the same story. It's literally just taking the animation out. And there's the whole charm of the thing is uh, the, the stories is that they're animated. Right. It's not it's not fun to watch Timon and Pumbaa when they look like actual animals. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It's The realism is good in, in a lot of things, but these are kids shows. And I think they're trying to appeal to a adult audience that has grown out of the kids stage, but they're still... Because, I mean, there's a lot of adults nowadays that haven't grown up exactly. Mm -hmm. so And they still uh, love watching kids' shows constantly. And that's what they are. They're children's shows. But the the children, and they still targeted children, but they're also targeted to the adult audience that hasn't grown up and gotten past the fact that they need to go on to slightly more 
what my, one might say mature right uh, storylines. <laughs> yeah, there, there's a problem in society where there you have a lot of um, thirty year olds, forty year olds uh, that just just they just don't really want to do anything. They don't want to create anything. They don't want to make anything of themselves. They just want to stay a kid forever. And in the entertainment media caters to that. It caters to that audience. When I was a kid, you know, the the kids trick or treated, and the adults took you, but the adults usually just wanted to stay home. And you kind of go back in history. You look at the '90s, the '80s. I mean, the the kids just went out and trick or treated on their own in the neighborhoods. You look at modern times. It's the people who are my age, people in their 30s. They go nuts about Halloween nowadays. I don't even see kids getting into it as much. But like adults my age, it's kind of weird. It's like they are so obsessed with Halloween that we have this society that yeah, it kind of doesn't want to grow up. It's a and, juvenile society. It, it's stuck. It's it, they just they yeah they they need to move on to more mature storylines that <laughs> adults can figure out. I mean, what's the point of becoming an adult if you're just stuck with the same children's material for the rest <laughs> of your life? I mean, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't be caught dead watching Clifford, but I mean, some adults they like Clifford, so they'll watch it. So, yeah. Well, I want to get back to what something that you said a minute ago about. Um, you said something about yeah, they're not creating new stories; they're just remaking old stories, and and it would be one thing. Like, you, here's what you said. If they were just making brand new characters and telling brand new stories, like Moana, I don't think that was based on anything. That no. was just a good yeah. story, just on its own. And I think it was about kind of based on the Maori people of New Zealand. And it wasn't a bad movie because it, it actually made sense. Yeah. I mean, she was. I mean, she's obviously in the right place, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, for the for the story and the culture. Yeah. Was was there? I mean, I'm not a big. So uh, that doesn't feel woke whenever you make a movie like that. No. No. But and, when Snow White or is a. Uh, gonna be hispanic now yeah it's like you really this is a european story and somehow the hispanics have gotten there's a hispanic character and it doesn't it, 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 I mean, like i said there's something for realism but what it, it's it's it, just mind-boggling what they're trying to it's, do to it's like you said they're just going after the white people with it because they would never replace a you know a black character with a white person. I mean, heaven forbid, Black Panther be replaced by <laughs> by a white person. And that and would... of course, the white people aren't demanding that there's a white panther. <laughs> no, no, white people don't. The vast vast majority of white people really don't care, and the vast majority of black people don't care. Like I said, it's the one or two percent. Yeah. At the bottom of the totem pole, who are able to somehow use social media and shout loud. Hmm. Well, as, as so, kind of on this note too of replacing the white characters and not not just coming up with the original story so marvel have you noticed how their current phase they had these really successful run of like 20 movies with all these heroes like iron man and thor and captain america made made all this money and told a really good story that was this interconnected thing across many films and then they finished that up and they're kind of relaunching with some new heroes now and they're all just female versions of the male heroes who were really popular 10 years ago. They have, yeah, uh, in the new Black Panther, they're about to introduce a female, a black female Iron Man. The new Thor movie just introduced a female version of Thor. They made a Hawkeye TV show late last year that made a girl Hawkeye. There's a current TV show called She-Hulk that's just the female version of Hulk. They made the Loki show last year and they made a female Loki. You take all these characters who were making them a ton of money 10 years ago, they wrapped up their stories, and instead of creating new characters, they're just making female versions of all of everything that they had before. <laughs> Have you noticed this? Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, 
Yeah, and that, that's the reason why they're not doing so well because they're just they're imitations of the ones that have already been built on. I mean, like uh, what was that Winter Falcon or Falcon and the Winter Soldier? Yeah, and they they tried to replace Captain America. It doesn't doesn't work. I mean, yeah. Captain America is is extremely beloved character, yeah. and you can't just give someone else the shield and they become Captain America. No, it's like, just end it. Like, if you're going to get rid of Captain America in Endgame like that, just uh, just end the character line. Yeah. Just, and, make, and make a new character. Yeah. And I'm, they they took, they took made the black guy the new fa- Captain America. He was already a hero. He already had his own story. Yeah, he was already cool by himself. I yeah. mean, he didn't have to take the shield. He doesn't have to become a white. <laughs> Bucky, Bucky didn't have to take it either. They should have just put the shield in the museum. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't have to become a white captain, or I mean, become a white hero. He can just be his own hero. Um, he can just be Falcon. It's impossible and, to fill Captain America's shoes because I mean, he went through more than almost any of those other Avengers could mm-hmm. even think of. I mean, yeah. and I was going to say, I, I I didn't mention Black Panther. I know. Th- so the main actor who played Black Panther died, and and that was really too bad. That wasn't Marvel's fault. But you know, now they're getting ready to introduce a female Black Panther too. So it's like they're going to have way more female characters than male characters before long, and they're not making the money that they were making before. They don't have the street cred with that Marvel logo anymore like it did before um, because it's obvious that they're running out of ideas, and they're not trying very hard. They're trying to just kind of remix established characters, and it's creatively lazy. And also... You know, I hate to say it, but some of these female replacements, they can be pretty annoying. I think we talked about this already. I want to play a clip from the new She-Hulk TV show, which I haven't even seen. But listen to this clip. I think this is from the first episode of the She-Hulk show where she's the girl is talking about how hard it is for to control her anger or something like that. We'll listen. Here's the thing, Bruce. I'm great at controlling my anger. Mm. I do it all the time. When I'm catcalled in the street, when incompetent men explain my own area of expertise to me, I do it pretty much every day because if I don't, I will get called emotional or difficult or might just literally get murdered. So I'm an expert at controlling my anger because I do it infinitely more than you. <laughs> she's like, I have to control my emotions or I might get murdered. But, you know, she's complaining about how hard her life is. Uh, and how she's had to learn how to control her anger all this time. She's talking to Hulk, who I'm, as I'm watching, I haven't seen the show, but I, you know, from the clip, I'm like, didn't he get his arm burnt off in the last Avengers movie because he was saving the world? And then here, this girl's telling him how hard it is to be called pretty by men and have men hitting on her and, and all it, that stuff. It, she might get murdered. The fact that uh, she overlooks that men make up the vast majority of murder and assault and violence that takes place around the world any time, any, any place. Yeah, that is absolutely true. Men are much more often the, the victims of murder. Even if she does get murdered, she's still in the vast minority of people that will get murdered. Yeah. So and it's all just... You know, it's funny she's talking about controlling her emotions there, but arguments like that are just all emotion. They're not based on the facts. And I guess it's trying to drum up this sympathy for her character, which, like I said, she'd go talk to about anyone else on the street and probably get more sympathy. But she's talking to the Hulk guy about how hard her life is. He's had to, like, totally give up his whole life to become a superhero, you know, in the movies. He's, he snapped the, did the snap to bring all the people back 
in the last movie and it like fried his arm. So I, I wouldn't even classify her as a superhero. She's she has superpowers, but she's not a hero because throughout the series she doesn't do anything like brave with her powers so far. She doesn't help it. She's real selfish. She just she has these powers and she just goes back to work. Yeah. And it's like, well, you know, you could just like save people because you have these powers. I guess it's not for everyone, mm-hmm. but I don't know. Just but probably just building up to some kind of girl power moment. Probably. So there is this blog called um, Pirates and Princesses. I just found this from Googling the other day. Uh, But they said this back in 2020. They were looking at the future slate of what Marvel was working on, the female reboot stuff. And they said this. If it goes like many of the comics and we get diversity just for diversity's sake, instead of good stories and characters, the phase will fail. When it fails, fans will not be allowed to dislike these films because if you don't like them, Disney and Marvel will hide behind diversity like it's a shield that erases all their bad choices. That's basically what we see happening whenever people complain about the the you know the woke remixes of all the established characters, all the beloved characters. We're we're told that we're bad for complaining about it because we should just be excited about the new diversity. Hey, do you think this is just Marvel's marketing ploy to to um, hide the fact that they're not trying very hard anymore? Uh, yes and no. I think that it's definitely a easy way to get out of it. I think they they're pushing this. I mean, on they're pushing this stuff on purpose down our throats because obviously people don't want this because they complain about it. But then the the side effect is that they can they can blame it on that, but they really don't care. I mean, they have they they made so much money they could make another ten films that could fail big time and people still suck it up. I I think Marvel right now they do they've got enough money where. This is what I think they're doing. I think that they know they're going to get all this backlash because they've been using a lot of... They have been using a lot of, like, white male heroes for most of their movies so far. So I think as a way to, like, to respond to that ahead of time, they're they're just kind of putting all these movies out all at once. And then whenever those do poorly, as they have been doing poorly, you know, they just had... They had Mrs. Marvel come out just recently, and it, it just got... It did terrible in front of critics, and audiences just were not tuning in for it. So I think Marvel's just kind of burning all this off right now in what they're calling Phase 4. And then in just a few years, they're going to start bringing in the popular heroes again, a new X-Men series, a, a new Fantastic Four series. So they're going to start bringing in some of these some of these big money makers again, and they'll be like, hey, well, we did the female thing already. So I think they're just trying to burn all this off now and just get it over with real quick. Yeah, well, it doesn't, doesn't help that... Uh... They're, they're doing these, but the, these uh, new diverse characters and such. But it doesn't help that these characters aren't really cared for. They're not the big, they weren't the big comic sellers anyways. That's right. I mean, you have Iron Man, Captain America, and Hulk, and all the, all the other big, big names that you saw in Endgame in mm-hmm. Marvel's phases one through three. And then now they kind of ran through all their best sellers, and now they're down to the people who people really haven't heard of them. Yeah. Especially if you're not into comics, you just, you just are like, uh, you never heard of them. But... But even people who aren't into comics, they know who Captain America is and and Hulk because mm-hmm. I mean they're they're big enough that even people who don't read comics know who they are. And these these smaller characters they don't appeal to anyone except what one might call comic book nerds that actually understand who they are. Yeah. And and I don't think the vast majority of the Marvel audience were comic book nerds. They they got sucked in 
because they heard of one or two big characters and then they got invested in the story because it was actually good back then. Yeah. <laughs> so, and then the end game in, ended everything and everyone was like, oh, let's take a breather. And then they're coming back and like, who are these jokers? I've never even heard of these people. Yeah. And, and it's not even good. The acting, the directing and stories aren't that good. So just, just a big mix of things that's wrong with everything. And hey, I, I don't mind them having a female character. I really liked, and I liked the Black Widow character. I liked the Captain Marvel character. And those weren't ripoffs of men. Those were just their own people. Um, but I don't like it when like, they make the female characters just complain about the struggles of being female. They make the black characters complain about the struggles of being black. I'm like, well, when you're watching the Captain America movie or the Iron Man movie, he's not going around complaining about how hard it is to be a man. He's concerned about where the bad guys are and how to fight them and save the world. <laughs> you know, They're focused on different things. The, in these, um, When they did the Black Captain America show last year... You know, he had to go meet the other black people and talk about how racism is a big struggle in modern times. And like, I guess on the She-Hulk show, they got this real feminism bent about it. And it's like, you know, you could just make the characters and not try to push in all this, um, all this progressive garbage that is, you know, that that they, they have to make the characters go on these speeches about progressive ideology. If they would leave that stuff out, I think that I think more audiences would probably tune in. They don't like to tune in and just get a lecture. Yeah, like like Black Widow, she actually uh, she didn't complain. I mean, she just kicked butt, and she was just a, she had a good storyline, good act. I mean, obviously, good actress. Mm-hmm. Um, it, she didn't need to complain because she she was able to just do it. Sure, she did. She doesn't actually have superpowers. She's just a trained assassin. But as just a trained assassin, like her and Hawkeye, they didn't have superpowers, but they're just good at what they do. She she didn't need that, and that's that's one of the things that was that was actually interesting about her storyline. She didn't she didn't complain. Yeah, I mean, you think Steve Rogers complained? I mean, talk about like actually face facing <laughs> bad guys. I mean, fighting World War Two and everything. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. I mean, he had it rough. Not only, I mean, then he lost the one he loved. I mean, for as he was frozen for forever. I mean, for seventy years. Yeah. I mean, he had it rough, and then She Hulk comes in is complaining about getting whistled at, which we never actually see her get whistled at in the series. <laughs> but and it, it's completely. And she has fake to control story. her emotions, yeah. or she might get killed. <laughs> yeah. And meanwhile, Steve Rogers is over there fighting Hydra, you know, and mm-hmm. Nazis. Yeah. <laughs> You, you hear them quoting these lines, and it's like, okay, some feminist writer in the writer's room, you know, is just going on one of her, you know, copying and pasting one of her Facebook rants, and, and now she's putting it in the mouth of this character, and people don't want to tune in and hear that kind of stuff. And, and I think it's just clear this is Marvel's marketing ploy. They say, hey, if you don't like what we're doing, then, you know, you're just racist or sexist. Uh, and uh, it's not just Marvel doing this, that new Lord of the Rings show. But I haven't watched it yet. I would like, I'm going to get around to it. I, I have kind of, you know, some of the Lord of the Rings stuff, I really like some of the movies. And there's almost kind of like this emotional thing in me that I'm afraid to watch the new show because I'm afraid they might ruin it <laughs> or something like that. But and here's another thing that's been off-putting to me about the show. It's obvious their whole marketing angle about it is that they put in like a black dwarf and I think a black elf and there's a and the main character is a female character. And so part of the marketing of the show is you're a bad person if you don't like the fact that they made a black dwarf and all this. You know, it's like, I don't, it's not something I really personally care about. I, I care more about the quality of the story and all that. I don't really care the skin color of the people. But it's really annoying to me how they're already getting out there and saying, 
if you don't like having black characters in Lord of the Rings, then you're just a you're a bad person. And so if you don't like the show, it's like you must be some kind of racist. Yeah, here's a good idea. Why don't the 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 writers of the show actually go write their entire own universe instead of taking someone else's universe from like you can't even defend his own universe because he's dead, and uh, from like seventy years ago, and then just changing everything in it. Like mm-hmm. it's so you know how easy it is to take someone's work you, you can't even like speak up for it and then just just change what you want. I mean, it, it's so it's it's so easy to do that. Uh, when I watch so, it, I hope it's not bad. But it's already distracting the fact that there, there's kind of this thing that a lot of shows are doing. They're putting in a, a black female character. It's always a black woman. And they make the story rotate around her. The new Star Wars Kenobi show did the same thing. They introduced this um, black female character. I thought I think her name's Reva. I thought she was a good character. I actually liked her storyline. But anytime somebody criticized her, and I never saw anyone say, well, I don't like her because she's black. But anytime anybody criticized anything about her character... Marvel starts putting up on Facebook, or not Marvel, uh, uh, Disney, they start putting up on their Facebook about how they will not stand for intolerance and bigotry against black artists. And it's like, they're just using that as a shield because some people didn't like how the character was written. So they're trying to, you know, this is, but it's obvious it's all part of the marketing. They're going to, they're going to pretend that everyone's just mad about the race of the characters or something like that. Yeah, no one cares about the race of characters anymore unless you're butchering things that have already been already existed. Yeah. And and then then people get mad. If if it's a new like I said, if it's a new character, new story, no one mm-hmm. cares. In fact, if as long as the character's good, people will love it. People will eat that stuff up. But it's, yeah. it's just they 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 don't have the creativity to make anything new. That's the that's the creativity problem I'm talking about. So 10 to 15 years ago, TV was getting so good. Because you go, I mean, you go back to more than 20 years ago, TV was so formulaic, you know, for most of TV's history. I mean, an episode started, they introduced a problem, they solved the problem, next week's a new problem. Or the comedies, you know, the characters never change, they're always the same. And and then about 10 to 15 years ago, TV kind of hit this golden age where they started getting more cinematic, got, got really good actors, really took the time to light the scenes and get good cinematography, and and television and they did these storylines that spanned multiple episodes multiple seasons so we hit this golden age with shows like lost and 24 and breaking bad and the shield and uh mad men and the office and and I, there were some other shows mentioned like the sopranos and the wire i've never seen those but i always hear how they were some of the greatest shows and then they had a lot of other shows that were good not the top tier but things like chuck and community and battlestar galactica and parks and rec and justified and there were so many good shows on 10 to 15 years ago. And then around 2015, it's like they got in this creative slump. They stopped coming up with new ideas. They started getting really preachy and annoying. And you can't find anything on today, in my opinion. I can't, I've, I've tried. I'd turn off most stuff 15, 20 minutes into it. I just get bored with it. I can't get into it. It's annoying. It's like there's no great shows on anymore these days. Do you know any great, I mean, maybe there is, but do you know of any good shows on nowadays? Well, I've always been an NCIS fan, and that show's been on for since 2005, I think. That's been around a long time. So, yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's a good show, but it, I mean, it's it's formulaic, like you said, but it doesn't, just because it's formulaic doesn't make it less enjoyable. I mean, some episodes are better than others, but you get that in every show. Mm-hmm. So, but it's just that the characters have personalities that I can trust on. They're people I know, and they're, they're people I'm just, they have 
That's why it's lasted so long. If it, if they if they weren't good, it wouldn't have been on for so long. That, that's well, the reason why. That show is kind of unique because it's kind of like a time capsule. It is kind of like a show from the past. I mean, it's got, it feels very classic. It feels kind of like a 90s show just in the presentation. It does have good production values and all that. But, I mean, it, with the formula of it, you know, it's kind of the same thing week after week. But I can't, I can't think of any other CBS because that's on the CBS network. Mm-hmm. I can't think of anything else that uh, CBS yeah. makes that's actually decent. I guess... Um, I don't know. I don't watch a lot of TV. Yeah, so. but the, the reason we don't is because there's nothing to watch. I mean, if there was good stuff to watch, I think I'd be watching it. But I had I got rid of Hulu a while back. And I'm like, I just can't find anything to justify ten bucks a month anymore. I don't watch it enough to to do that. So there there was this show I was watching on there. It's called Brooklyn Nine Nine, and I had never seen it when it was on originally. It ran for like eight years, and it started around 2013, and. It started off pretty funny. It's a cop show, but it's comedy. And I like cop shows, and it's kind of in the vein of Parks and Rec and a lot of the stuff I used to like. So I was really getting into it. It had a good start. And then around halfway through the series, I'm almost done with the show, but around halfway through the series, uh, it got bought by NBC, and they changed a bunch of stuff. They made a character like become bisexual, and the episode started getting... It's really interesting to me the episodes started getting really political and they've stopped being funny. Like they've just become really preachy. And in fact, I have a clip from one of them. Whenever I listen to this, I, they, did a, they did a Me Too themed episode and they've been doing lots of episodes themed around like race and sexuality and all this kind of stuff like um, homophobia where they just, the characters just preach at you for 20 minutes about one of these progressive issues. And it's, you know, the show's not even that entertaining anymore. It's just getting irritating. And let me let me just play this clip. They're, they're talking about like a Me Too case where someone accused someone of sexual assault and the characters start having conversation and it starts to sound, it just starts to sound really irritating. Let me pull it up here. Oh man, I'm reading Carrie's statement. If I was a woman, I would not work in finance. Oh, because it's so easy for women everywhere else? Okay, I can tell that I am in trouble. You're not in trouble. I just don't think that men understand how different everything is for us. God, how many creeps have I not noticed before? I am genuinely very sorry that this is something you have to go through all the time. It's okay. I'm used to it. That's even sadder. I know. But you know what's not sad? That Carrie didn't take that insane amount of hush money, and now we get to put a bad guy in jail. Amen. Wait, her firm offered her a big deal and you told her not to take it? Yeah, because that would mean letting a sexual assaulter go free. Do you have any physical evidence to prove that he did it? No. So it sounds like he might go free anyway. I mean, at least if she takes the deal, she won't walk away with nothing. I'm surprised you feel like that. You're such a feminist. I feel like maybe I shouldn't be here. I am a feminist, but I'm also a realist. I'm just looking out for the victim. Or should I be here because men should be part of the conversation? Let's just say best case scenario, you do find evidence. She's still gonna have to go through a very public trial where they drag her name through the mud. Even if she wins, she still loses. It's two steps forward, one step back. I've landed on active listening. I will no longer be chiming in. Yeah, but when one person comes forward, it inspires others to speak up. And that's a lot better than taking a deal that lets sexual predators walk free. Dude, obviously, I get that. I'm just saying, remember that there's a very real woman here whose career and life are going to be affected by you pursuing this case. I'm just saying, consider what's best for her. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm watching and I'm like, this turned into what sounds like two people arguing in a Facebook comment thread back and forth. It's not, it's not like a comedy show anymore. This is another instance of juvenile stuff being brought into, I mean, people not growing up because what kind of grown adult cops actually talk to each other like that? I know. I mean, like, <laughs> who, who, like, 
These people, they're your coworkers. Who talks to their coworker like that? It's like, has everything in real life become an actual the actual office? Do people right. actually, do, I, do real life people talk like this, or is am I just the weird person out who doesn't like treat other people with respect and just acts like I, I'm posting online all the time? Mm-hmm. That, that's one. But um, another thing, just an example of this is the Law and Order. You remember yeah. the old Law and Order? I, I haven't seen much of it, but I know what you're talking about. But um. The special victims unit version of the Law and Order. Okay, it's like that was good for such a long time. Well, the old Law and Order, they had kind of some snappy dialogue. It was a little clever. They it, had like it was like nineties. Yeah, it was nineties cops, and who, who that, that's just is classic because they could say what they want and do what they want. They were rough and it was gritty. Mm-hmm. It was New York in the nineties, and now I mean they're having discussions like this. <laughs> but I turned on the new Law and Order on Hulu a few months back. I just I was just curious. I just wanted to watch an episode. And they only had the newest season on there. So I pulled it up. And it's about a white cop and a black cop. And I only watched half the episode. And they're arguing about race and how the black one says, you know, um, he can't trust the white one because he's a white policeman. And, and black people won't talk to you. And they're, they're arguing about the defund the police movement and how, you know, maybe there's some, they make some good points and all this kind of stuff. It's not how people would actually talk. They're just going through left-wing talking points and hashing them out on, on screen. Yeah, it, it, when I mean, what kind of black cop is going to say he doesn't trust the white cop? It's when they're sitting in the same cop car together. Yeah, they and it's together. Like, it's, it's like you do realize you're both in the same industry doing the same job that you guys could be killed at any moment because it's New York. And uh, <laughs> yeah. so it's, it, it's, it's really mind-boggling. I think we have this problem where we... We portray adults on on media as as really juvenile children. They have no like, and and it's a, that's what social media has done. Adults aren't adults anymore. They, yeah. There's really no point in growing up because everyone else around you is juvenile. They just they they're stuck in a the mental 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 level, level of a eighteen year old high schooler. Yeah, the conversations are childish and. They're cringy. Like, that's what the Brooklyn Nine-Nine thing, it, it's just disappointing. It's kind of fascinating to watch for me now because it's gotten so cringy. It reminds me of, um, you know how, like, ter- you know, we've grown up in church. The terrible Christian movies that they've made over the years that get so preachy and they just kind of, like, they don't reflect how people actually talk to each other. It's just, it sounds like you're getting a sermon whenever you watch them in the dialogue. And it yeah. gets so irritating. And that's what it sounds like. It sounds like you're getting a sermon whenever you turn on one of these one of these woke um, modern shows that are pushing a very very clearly an agenda. At least they're not hiding it anymore, and that's also why they're losing a lot of money. Uh, last year, this movie, The Eternals, comes out from Marvel, and it was like, "Ooh, it's the first gay relationship, and you know, the most diverse cast ever," and it bombed. It did not do good at the. Did you ever watch The Eternals? No, I watched I watched reviews, but I like I don't. If it looks bad anymore, I'm not gonna take a chance on it. Yeah, <laughs> well, it bombed in theaters, and and so they said, well, nobody wants to get out because of COVID. But then the next month, they had Spider Man come out, and it broke all the records. Like it did amazing, and it then won, it wasn't preachy either. No, it was it no. was a good show, good character. It was just a good character. Yeah, he was a white male, but the, it wasn't because he was a white male. It's because it was a just a fun story. It wasn't well, his girlfriend wasn't white. That's right. That's true. And yeah. He, I mean, I didn't care his girlfriend wasn't white. They didn't Who make, cares? A, they didn't make it, an it issue big. out of it. She, she was a good character, and I yeah. thought that she was a good actress, and they, they did well. I mean, but no one cared. They I didn't mean. make it a movie about this, the struggle of having an interracial relationship. 
it was yeah, just no one cares. About, right. <laughs> and, but, but, and, and that's what they wanted to do with like the Eternals. The Buzz Lightyear movie came out and they were like, well, this has a gay kiss. It, from the reviews I read, the whole storyline is about this gay couple in the movie. And it bombed. Did really bad. And they said, oh, families are afraid of COVID. They don't want to come out. But then a few weeks later, the new Despicable Me Minions movie comes out and it makes tons of money. So it just goes to show people are not interested in the woke nonsense. And it's, it's obvious the more woke you make your movie and the more you market it as a woke movie, you're getting yourself a pretty narrow audience. And uh, so they do it to their own detriment. There, there's been some good movies and TV shows lately that are not woke and they've turned out really good. The, the Terminalist. Have you heard about that one? I've heard of it. I haven't watched it. Though. Yeah, that came out from Amazon Prime. I thought it was real solid. I mean, it's not like epic top tier TV, but it's it was a good story. Critics hated it because because it wasn't political. It doesn't. I don't think it ever once mentions Republican, Democrat. It's just a story about people in government, but it, it's not political at all in, in the sense of pushing an agenda. And critics hated it. Audiences love it. The new James Bond movie. It wasn't really woke at all. It it was great. The new Spider-Man film, like we said. I haven't seen the new Top Gun, but I've heard it's it's very patriotic, and that's been like the highest grossing movie this year. So I don't know if there's anything Don't forget Nobody that came out last year. Yeah, you were telling me that was good. I haven't yeah, I haven't I haven't really seen that yet. But it's it's hard to find good movies nowadays. Let's talk about this movie that we just saw a little bit ago, Jarrett, and then we'll close out for today. Uh, but before I close down, I'll mention this. If you want to get in touch with us at Fake News, a fiery but mostly peaceful podcast, send us an email to fierybutpeaceful at gmail.com. And if you see some fake news, send it our way. Whoever gets it to us first will get credit for it. I've already recorded an episode for next week that is back to being more news-focused, so make sure you check that out. Uh, it'll be out next Friday. Also, stay in touch throughout the week on Twitter at Fake News Weekly. And if you like Bible studies... Or if you just really dig the sound of my voice, I do have another podcast. It's called Cross References, and it doesn't have anything to do with news or current events. Not most of the time, but uh, I kind of consider it my main podcast. I have new episodes of that one on Mondays. So wherever you find this podcast, you can find my other one if you want to do that. All right, let's talk about See How They Run. Victim's name is Leo Kopernik, sir. Seems he was killed in the costume store. deposited here staged so to speak sorry sir how much longer do you intend to hold us all hostage or is that the idea gather all the suspects and interrogate each of us in turn until the mystery is solved marvin cochranar's overrated playwright celebrated playwright oh i'm so sorry sir i can't read my own handwriting there was an incident I'll kill you. It's as good as a confession. It's not jump to conclusions, Constable. What do we have here? <laughs> Working late, huh? He killed Kopernik to hush up the affair. Case closed. I'm doing it again, aren't I, sir? Jumping to conclusions. conclusions. Yeah. A little bit. So what did he do that made you suspicious? It wasn't so much what he did, it was more the way he did it. How did he do it? Sort of. Right. I saw 
felt good after watching that movie. I just, I, I walked in there knowing what I was going to get. Like, for the most part, I watched that trailer and I was like, please don't be, please don't be garbage. Please don't be. And I, I was like, okay, it actually was a good movie. Yeah. The trailer didn't lie. It was, it was worth going to see it. So, so you enjoyed yourself. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I could tell you did. So, Jarrett, uh, if in case you haven't realized from his NCIS comments, Jarrett is a 77 year old man <laughs> in a 20 year old's body. But this is, when I saw this trailer come out, I was like, oh, this is a Jarrett movie. And then a few weeks later, he texts me the trailer. And he's like, we need to go see this. <laughs> I'm like, it is uh, 100% a Jarrett movie. Jarrett, what did you like about the film? I liked that it was it was simple. Like, it, it, it wasn't woke. Let's put it that way. That's a, one, that's, that's a big thing now. And when something's not, it's sad that we have to say that it was good because it wasn't woke. It didn't try and <laughs> force true. something down your throat. It wasn't forcing an agenda. But yeah. And I mean, it had a, had a, uh, a black person in the cast. They had a woman in the cast, and, and, and a man. And, and so, I mean, I guess I guess they checked diversity somewhat, but <laughs> but I didn't care if I was wasn't pushing anything. But, yeah, but relative, it was a clean movie, and you don't get a lot of like clean movies anymore. I mean, I mean, oh, like family friendly. Yeah, yeah. It, it's it's a murder mystery. It's a whodunit. But nowadays, people feel the need to put. Lots of blood and gore and language and all sorts of stuff into into movies all over the place, and it's just refreshing to see a movie that doesn't have that because it's it's extremely rare. Yeah, that's true. Even on TV shows, it's extremely rare to come across something that just isn't completely. I would kind of say degenerate, not and, being profane. Yeah, yeah, that's true. It's hard to find family friendly stuff nowadays, and even the things like the Buzz Lightyear movie that look family friendly, they might not, they might have stuff in it that you don't exactly want your kids seeing. So. I mean, this movie has, like, one or two cuss words in it, and then there's, like, a little bit of blood and a dead body. But the body's not, like, torn, ripped apart. Well, it's a a murder murder mystery, mystery. yeah. So so, it has to have a dead body in it. Yeah, of course. So so let me describe the movie for people. I know I played the trailer, but if you you were confused about it at all. So it's it's just a classic murder mystery that, you know, the whodunit type of murder mystery. And a lot of it is kind of a meta-commentary on... Other murder mysteries, like they kind of talk about, they talk a lot in the movie about the the tropes of murder mystery books and murder mystery stories, how a detective comes in and interviews all the suspects and then reveals who the murderer is. You know, they kind of, they play that up. And, and the play in the movie is based on an Agatha Christie novel. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's, it's classic. It's classic of a mystery as you can get. Right, right. And and there's a lot of references to Agatha Christie and, and, her, and her work throughout the whole film. And they 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 throw a couple swerves at you. Um, I don't I don't want to get into any spoilers, but there's a few swerves. There's a swerve with the main character. I I could kind of see some of it coming because the swerves came so early. I was like, I know this is not really the direction the movie's gonna go. But you know, then they get to the end and they kind of wrap it up very neatly. Um, I didn't I didn't find it. It wasn't like just one of those movies that I think people have got to see. It definitely has a style to it that's not gonna appeal to some people. Um, that uh, it, it's set in 1950s London. And so yeah, if you're not someone who likes murder mysteries, period, you probably wouldn't get into this movie very much. But if you if you like um, Knives Out from a few years ago, did you see Knives Out, Jared? Yeah, yeah. yeah. If you like things like Knives Out, or if you like the movie Clue from, from back in the day, um, you know, you would, you'd probably get into this a little more. I don't think this movie was as smart as Knives Out. Knives Out was a brilliant, brilliant movie. Um, this movie was it was pretty good. It's got like a seventy percent on Rotten Tomatoes, so it's not it's not terrible. I think you'll enjoy yourself. I don't I don't know if I'd say I'm 
it's a movie that you just want to rewatch a bunch. What do you think? Uh, I mean, no, I wouldn't say I'm going to like binge watch it. Like I'm not going to watch it all the time. And, but I, when, when they sell the DVD, if they do sell a DVD, I'll buy it because it definitely deserves a place in my film collection for being mm-hmm. just a, a good movie to, to watch. It's, it's just, the plot was good. It wasn't like you said, it wasn't like the best, best movie out there, but it's just, what else is there to watch? Anymore? I, I mean, it, it's, it stands, it, it looks good because everything else is just so bad. Yeah. Let's put it that way. And if this movie had come out like 10, 20, 20 years ago, it, I mean, it would have probably just blended right in with just about everything else. I mean, that's right. It, in terms of story and, and everything. And But in modern times, it's, I would say it's better than 90% of things that you find out, <laughs> find, yeah. find around the internet nowadays. It's shot very beautifully. Um, they did a good job making the movie as far as the pacing and all that. I appreciated it was an hour and 38 minutes long. So many movies today just drag out to two and a half hours. And there's always something happening. I mean, the plot just keeps moving. It's, yeah. It doesn't like... It, it's not stagnant, really. It, it, right, it's, it's true. It's char- developing characters, and there's always something that's going to happen. You, you, you're always learning about that, and it, it's not boring. I mean... Yeah. Now, you won't be bored. It, it zips right along. It's a short it's a short little movie, so it won't take up your whole afternoon. We went to see it at 5. We walk out of the theater. It was still light outside. And I was like, whoa, that's refreshing. <laughs> so I wasn't expecting that. Um, so it, it was a fun little diversion, though, for this afternoon. And yeah, I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad I went. I'm, and, and once again, like I saw the trailer, and the movie was what the trailer said it was going to be. It was. True. It was just as as, as I thought it would be. I mean, I obviously it doesn't give divulge the divulge the plot and everything and the whole like mystery in the trailer, but the movie. I mean, it, it it's good. It's good. Yeah, so. yeah. I I love murder mysteries, and so th- like I said, this one kind of pokes a lot of fun at the murder mystery, um, the kind of the formula that a lot of them go through. And and this one tries to play with that a little bit. There, uh, Clue, you know, Clue did that. You've seen Clue, haven't you? Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. Clue, did, Clue played with that and was a brilliant movie a few years back, Had several multiple, years back. multiple endings, which was multiple fun, fun to go through and watch that. Yeah. But but something I thought, I thought this movie was actually better than the um, the Murder on the Nile movie that came out, what, last year? With the, oh, Ju- or early this yeah. year with the, the pro detective. Well, they had Murder on the Orient Express and then... Was it Death on the Nile? Death on the Nile, yeah. Yeah, both based off Agatha Christie novels. Yeah, but I thought I liked Murder on the Orient Express, mm-hmm. but Death on the Nile, I didn't think it was that good of a movie. I thought it was all. I thought it was beautifully shot, and the actors definitely did a good job acting. But mm-hmm. I didn't. I didn't care for the plot. It wasn't that much. It wasn't much of a mystery mm-hmm. to me. But um, maybe maybe I just figured it out earlier than I should have. But <laughs> maybe you were smarter than they thought the audiences. <laughs> yeah, would be. but I mean, this, I haven't seen it yet. I still need to see that one. This is a. Uh, I thought this one was was better, and mm. it was a lot shorter. <laughs> yeah, it, it did just as good of a job. I mean, it, it, the it got the atmosphere, and and the the actors were good. And I mean, I mean that's something people always talk about plots and everything, but in diversity now. But how 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 can the people actually act? And it, yeah. it's nice they weren't they, they're English. I mean, it, it it the the movie comes off more as a um, more of a play, like more of a. Like 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 in the movie, you know, the play about the murder mystery taking place in the movie. It comes mm-hmm. off sort of as that. It's what it felt like more. It felt less like a, like a whole movie plot, more mm-hmm. of a, a play. That's what I thought it felt like. It did feel like that. You're right. It would work as a play. So a stage um, play is what, what I mean by that. So I'd say I give the movie. I'd recommend a watch um, at least once. I think it's worth seeing at least once. 
And Jared, I guess you'd rec- you give it a you recommend it as a buy, wouldn't you? Yeah, at least go at least go support movies that are <laughs> I mean decent. Yeah. <laughs> don't don't waste your money on these Marvel movies. Go go spend your <laughs> money on this movie. A movie that is probably not not going to get much attention because I you mean, know it's it not might big. because it it didn't force some agenda, so it, it might make a little bit of money. I guess we'll see after this week. Hardly any CGI, so far as I could tell. Oh, it wasn't sure. wasn't like big action scenes. Yeah, it was actual people, and it felt it was. That's one of the things that was so refreshing about it mm-hmm. is it was there wasn't a huge amount of action scenes. It's it. I mean, everything was bright and set, colorful and everything, yeah. but it wasn't. It was actual sets for oh, the most yeah. part, and it didn't feel like everything was computer generated. They could have made this movie thirty or forty years ago, and it would have looked the same. And I'm so tired of the climax of every movie nowadays being two CGI blobs just throwing crap at each other. I'm like, I'm so tired of that. So yeah, it's refreshing just to see a movie. I appreciate it didn't waste my time. And I appreciate that I didn't pick up any... This is my last question for today. I didn't pick up anything woke. Was it woke to you at all? Not, I mean, not at all, no. no. The only wokeness I got were in the trailers before the movie. <laughs> Dude, I don't know how much you were paying attention to... The, they just go on and on with the trailers nowadays. Yeah. But they, I, they, okay, so they interview some transgender person, which I think was a female who pretends to be a man. And then they had some commercial about going on vacation, and it had two women kissing. They, and then they had a trailer for some movie that's anti-capitalism, and it's about these terrible rich people on a boat. And then they had a movie about the Me Too thing. They made a movie about that, and Harvey Weinstein that's coming out. And then a movie about an interracial couple in the movie business and how their relationship was hard a long time ago. So, uh, you know, the trailers had a bunch of woke... (laughs) It looked so boring, too. I was not enticed to see any of those movies (laughs) that they were showing anything about. I'm like, who wants to watch a movie about rich people throwing up on a boat? I don't know, but... It would it would have been it would have been good if it was like a thirties or forties rich people how they're all kind of arrogant but still classy yeah but these rich people they're they're like rich but they're just absolute the worst yeah dredges of humanity that somehow got rich and uh. it's like how do you act like this and be wealthy like that's true I, so, like the woman who didn't know what a sailboat was yeah and it was like <laughs> it's like rich people used to have class well it was clear just seeing that trailer it had an agenda. That you know, it's the one percenters who are all evil, and there's a reason the rest of us are all poor or whatever. But, and once you get past the trailers, and I might just start when I go to the movies. I might just start going later, so I have to I can miss some of the trailers. Honestly, I'm so sick of the trailers and the the stupidity that they push on there a lot. But after you get past all that, it's refreshing to just see a movie that had no agenda other than to entertain you for an hour and 38 minutes and make you feel good at the end. That's right. Well, I think we'll leave it there for today. Thanks for listening to Fake News, a fiery but mostly peaceful podcast. This has been Luke Taylor. And just remember, if you hear that Snow White isn't white, that's just fake news.